Aloha, and welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about any of our ministries, you can check out our website at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right. Good morning. How are we doing? Good to see you guys. Thanks for the tickle. Um, so I am Brandon. Uh, I know there's a big, there's something here right now. This is not an imposter, right? So um, thank you, Dennis, for inspiring me uh, for uh, this mustache. Uh, so today you guys can call me Thomas. That's who I'm going to be from now on with the stash. Very controversial in my house, uh, but I just want to throw it out there so we can get out of the way so you're not just looking at my mustache and not listening to the word of God this morning. <laughs> but again, Thomas today, uh, good to be with you guys this morning. And um, here we are on the cusp of a brand new year. The end of 2023 is literally today. And so I thought, why not do a message, a short message about new things, a short message this morning about new things. We all love new things, don't we? Yeah, somebody does. We love new surfboards. We love new cars. We love new toys. We love new phones. New babies are the best, right? Olivia's here this morning. She's so precious. Cutest baby in this church. New music, new food. We love new stuff. And we really love the idea of the prospect of a new year, aspirations for a new beginning, the start of our lives in a new way in 2024. And interestingly enough, we serve a God who also loves new things. I looked at so many scriptures this week about new things that God was doing through the Old Testament and the New Testament, how many times the word new showed up in the Bible is astounding, that God loves to do new things in people's lives. He loves to restore, repair, resurrect people without life and give them new life. And so the God that we serve loves new things. And this idea of newness has really resonated with me more and more as I get older and older. This year, I turned the ripe old age, and I'm embarrassed to say, 38 years old. Yeah, terrible. So some of the room is like, you're silly, you're so young, and the other half is like, wow, you might as well be dead, right? This is that weird age in the middle, and what I've come to find out is that my body is this very different, right? Like, what I could do in my 20s is quickly becoming the history of Brandon. This morning, I didn't spring out of bed like I used to. I make really weird sounds when my body moves like a certain direction. Um, I find myself saying, huh, to 60% of the things that my wife tells me. If I do any sort of lower body workout, I can't walk for about a week. I don't know if there's some genetic thing there. I can't eat whatever I want without paying for it. My knees hurt. I have wrinkles. I forget a lot of stuff. I can't live without coffee. And so me and my friend Josh started a coffee roasting business. I need nine hours of sleep or maybe even more and probably need glasses. And keeping up with Luke is a real issue for me. He's three and a half years old. And so please pray for his salvation. Join me in that. And so I say all that to say that things are very different than they used to be. And this is a biblical idea. It's going to be on the screen. I want to show you what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See it on the screen. It says this. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Can I get a witness? If you're 18, you didn't say anything. Like, what are you talking about, pastor guy? Everything I said is biblical. 
And I like how Eugene Peterson put it in the Message Bible. Here's what he said about this passage. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. I love that. Mr. Peterson was about 65 or 70 when he wrote that translation. And so the dude's writing from experience. There's something about us getting older and older that causes us to desire less of this world and more of the world to come. There's something that God has designed in the fabric of our bodies tearing down that reminds us that we were all destined to perish physically. And so the real translation goes on to say this. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. And so there's this greater promise that God has given us in Scripture that one day he will make us new. We will be given new bodies that are fit for eternity. But today we are here in the interim. We're here in these unfurnished shacks. And so as we close out 2023, I want to bring us a short message of encouragement. And this will be a topical teaching, not so much exegetical. And so this will be all over the place to make a few points. And so I want to say this scripture before we get into that. What Paul would say, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the inner renewal that God promises us every single day. I want to give us three points this morning, three simple truths that will help each of us lean into a new year with God. And most of these points, two of these points, deal with unhitching from the past and envisioning a future. Two points on leaving the past where it's out, where it's at, and envisioning a future with God. Today, I want to give you a message that is about yesterday being history and tomorrow's future is with God. And so, the first point is really simple: we must stop living in the past. That if we want this inner renewal today, then we have to start living for today. That we can't live in yesterday's failures, and we also can't live in yesterday's successes. This first point goes in the negative and in the positive. There are certain failures in your past that keep you from living for God's plan today, and there are certain successes in your past that keep you from living for God's plan today. Isaiah would say this in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 19. He would say, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When I read this passage, I naturally ask myself, and you should do the same this morning. You should naturally ask yourself, what would keep me from perceiving the thing that God wants to do in my life in 2024? God came to the people of Israel in Isaiah's day and says, do you not perceive the thing that I am doing? 
And so I ask myself, naturally, what would hinder me from perceiving the thing that God is doing in my life in 2024? And the answer is successes and failures in our past. Successes and failures. Successes in my past that assume that God will always move the same way. And failures in my past that keep me in shame. Sometimes the greatest barrier to seeing the thing that God is doing in your life is to look at the things that he used to do and reduce him to a formula or it's being paralyzed by all of your failures and assuming that you are unusable. Successes and failures belong in the past. Now, don't get me wrong in what I'm not saying. It's good to reflect It's good to look back. It's good to revel in the faithfulness of God, where God has empowered you for ministry. God did radical things when this church was started. It's good to revel in God's faithfulness. It's good to look back and see where God has covered you in grace. But it is never good to live in the past as an indicator of what God might do tomorrow. And the mention of not remembering former things here in Isaiah 43 is a call to know this very thing. God was calling them to move beyond solely focusing on a past event. Specifically in this passage, he's talking about crossing the Red Sea during the Exodus. That the same barrier that we face in our lives does not always have the same answer. God comes to Israel during this time and says, I'm not going to split the waters in half, but I'm going to make it gush up from the ground. It was a different season. It was a different circumstance, but it was the same God. And so in this passage, God comes to the people of Israel and just tells them, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And then we take all that and we begin to think about our own lives. Are there certain areas that we have reduced God to a formula? What are the rhythms in our lives that maybe used to produce a ton of fruit that aren't producing the same return? And maybe there's even good things in your life that God called you to do at one point in your life, but now he's calling you in a different direction. The question that we want to ask ourselves of God in 2024, what are the God things that you are doing? Not necessarily just the good things. And this leads to my second point. Sometimes our failures provide the greatest opportunities to see God move in our lives. As a chaplain in the Air Force, I get to talk to a lot of different people. And rarely does a day ever go by that I don't get to meet a new person. And so in this business, we do a lot of counseling, like an unholy amount of counseling. There's this thing in military chaplaincy called 100% confidentiality, and it's just that. People can come and tell the chaplain anything they want, and it stays with us. Completely privileged communication. And so people are not typically busting down the doors to come tell us good things, right? 
Like chaplain, I just, I did this amazing thing. I just glorified God. I think you want to hear all about it. No, it's nothing like that typically, right? When people come to the, talk to the chaplain, usually they're in a pretty tough spot. Usually it's because their commands, like, you should probably go talk to the chaplain, right? Like, you should talk to somebody. And I usually have to brace myself for some of the things that people tell me. It's, it's mind-boggling. And here is the wonderful thing about God in the ministry of chaplaincy. Is that he is really, really good at using our failures as few future opportunities. And I have the privilege of helping people see that. When relationships fail, when our personal goals fail, when expectations are not met, when we are driven to despair and people feel like that is the end, that's when God is oftentimes able to do his best work. That thing that seems to be the barrier is often the very source of where God will move next. And that's the same story that we just read about in the book of Isaiah, that they were in a different circumstance, in a different season with a very specific problem. And God says, I'm going to do a new thing in your life. And as I was thinking about how to illustrate this this week, I also thought about the Apostle Paul. God transformed in the life of the Apostle Paul one of the biggest barriers of the church to one of the greatest benefactors of the church. Sometimes we like to romanticize the Apostle Paul. And there is no doubt that Paul was a prolific Christian. He was sold out for the cause of Christ. But at the same time, we oftentimes forget that he was literally putting people to death. The Apostle Paul was responsible for the first Christian martyr as he stood in approval of the stoning of Stephen. I mean, could you imagine if that was on your resume? Could you imagine if that was a part of your memory that you were directly involved in putting a man of God to death? And not in a nice way, but in one of the most horrific ways to die. And that scene was forever etched into the mind of Paul. And so what does God do? He takes the very source of Paul's greatest failure and does a radical new thing. That the greatest barrier to the church would become its greatest benefactor. That when God met Paul on the Damascus road, he got a vision of the future. And Paul received this word from God that you have radically failed by persecuting my church. And he gave him a vision of the future. And he stepped back and he asked Paul, what are you going to do with this? And you know what Paul did? He didn't stay in the past. He didn't stay stuck in yesterday's failures. In fact, he says in Philippians the one thing that I do is forgetting what is behind. And explicitly in that passage, he talks about how he used to derive his righteousness from the law. And he explicitly talks about how he used to persecute the church. He says, the one thing I do is forgetting what is behind. And I press forward to the call of Christ. Some of our biggest failures are in the hands of God, and yet he is faithful to use us in wonderful ways. And so 
I ask myself, I ask you guys as we come to the beginning of a new year, what are the places that maybe we have failed in our lives that keep us in shame? Maybe what are the places that we have radically succeeded that may keep us in a place that thinks God is the formula? I love this quote, and it'll be on the screen, but it deals with this idea that God is able to use all of our failures, and it says this, if, if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this, you, my friend, are not that powerful. <laughs> That's really good, isn't it? I mean, read about Abraham, read about Moses, read about King David, read about Rahab, Peter, and Paul. I mean, come talk to me about my own life. God is in the business of using people who seem like failures for his glory. And now I want to start thinking about the future in this last point. Tomorrow is 2024. And so for the final point, I want to charge you to be a visionary. To be a visionary. To be that person who is looking for God to do that new thing. To not be satisfied in the status quo. Listen to what Paul would say about your life, about your capacity in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. J.B. Phillips said this, his power within us is able to do far more than we dare ask or imagine. And what strikes me about this passage is that Paul does not put any qualifiers on it. He doesn't use this passage to charge the head pastor of the church. This isn't used to charge the elders of the church. It's not used to charge the staff in the church. But he reminds us that every person has been given God's spirit and is able to do more than we can even imagine or think. In fact, there's another passage that does explicitly charge the staff of the church, and you know what their job is? It's to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. It's Tripp's job, it's Paulo's job, it's Teva's job, it's, it's my job to equip you to do ministry. It's our job to equip you with biblical insight to go and build ministry. That's our job. And so Paul says that we have been given God's spirit. And you can do far more than you can imagine or think. And I was looking at some ministries this week who are radically successful. And did you know that some of the most successful ministries were started by everyday people? People who took some basic biblical principles and envisioned a future and radically changed their communities. Gideon's International was started by two traveling businessmen. And today there's more than a quarter million Gideons in some 200 countries, and they have planted over two billion Bibles around the world. Started from two businessmen who had a vision for God. Another one is Samaritan's Purse. Started by a regular Joe traveling evangelist, and today, they provide spiritual and physical aid to victims of war, natural disaster, disease, famine, poverty in more than 100 countries. And their annual budget is $930 million, started by a regular Joe traveling evangelist who had a vision for God and what he could do through his life. 
YWAM was started by a missionary couple who has made a radical impact on these islands here in Hawaii and beyond in the world. The Navigators was started by a man who wanted to see sailors come to Christ. Focus on the family was started by an American psychologist. And on and on and on we could go. Bigger than you could imagine sort of things that was started by everyday people. And so it doesn't matter if you're uneducated or if you have a disability. It doesn't matter if you're 85 or 15, rich or poor. Does it matter for male or female? There is tremendous potential for those who envision a future with God. I mean, my own life, for example, I grew up in a single wide trailer to a single mother in North Alabama. And I want to throw out there that it was a pink single wide trailer. I have no idea why. I need to talk to my mom about that. Um, Like not a nice pink, but Barbie pink, like unnecessarily not stock. And so I don't know how we ended up with this trailer. And so I, ended, I was around poverty. Um, I grew up around drugs and alcohol. I'd probably be a little bit smarter today if it wasn't for my high school experience. But we'll just leave that where it's at. And then one day, God got a hold of me. And he gave me a vision for my future right here at Waimea Bay at about 10 p.m. one night as I was driving home from being on Coast Guard duty. I was in the Coast Guard for some time, and, and I was coming to church, and I was seeking the Lord, and, and I was really wondering what he wanted to do in my life. And as I was going around Waimea Valley, I heard God just speak to me in this vision about my future and what he would do in my life. And it was this radical experience. And I remember sharing it with Lauren the next day. I was like, oh, crazy about Jesus. And she was like, you, you got to slow down, babe. Like, this is crazy and too fast. And I was like, I got this vision from the Lord. And, man, I, I went from living in this single wide trailer in North Alabama to preaching in Hawaii on the other side of the world. God can do amazing things. And what I remember the most about that time that I received that word from the Lord is that I was seeking him with all of my heart. I was chasing after all things Jesus, and he was faithful to meet me. Isn't that what the scripture says in Jeremiah 29? You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so it's not that any person who excels in the kingdom of God is special. What makes them special is that they've sought after God And when they were found by God, God gave them a vision of their future. I want to encourage you today to not be stuck in the past. Don't be hung up on the way that you used to succeed. Don't be hung up on the way that you used to fail. But realize that today is a new day. Tomorrow is 2024. That we would lay aside the good and the bad and begin to envision a future with God and make our greatest effort of 2024 to seek after God. Jesus. And so I want to finish where we started with what God told his people in Isaiah's own day as kind of a charge for us on this last day of 2023. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the prospect, prospect excuse me, of a new year. And God, we ask as 
Teva and the team come and play worship and bring us into the throne room. God, we ask that you would give us a revelation, a vision of what you might do in our lives in the year to come. I pray that you would help us to do business with you this morning, that we would leave the past in the past, that we would reconcile where we need to reconcile, that we would forgive where we need to forgive, that we would receive forgiveness where it needs to be received. But ultimately from that place, God, we ask that you would help us to charge forward in 2024 with a singular focus that is Christ Jesus the Lord. And God, we confess we need help with that. We get so distracted by so many things, God, we get so hung up in the past, but God, we ask this morning that you would do a cleansing work and you would help us to focus on the future as you would come to the people of God in Isaiah's own day and just ask them, I am doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? And so God, we ask in our circles of influence, the places we work, we play, within our own families, God, at our own house, would you help us to see maybe the new thing that you want to do in our lives. We honor you, we give you all glory, and we thank you that we can know you and pursue you with all of our heart. So we pray this morning that you would help us to do that more and more. We love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 